Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and we watched two things this week. We watched the third episode of Obi-Wan on Disney+, and then we watched Fire Island, which is out streaming now on Hulu. Spoiler alert for both of those things, and then like a tiny, tiny, not quite spoiler, but spoiler alert for Crimes of the Future, which we discuss in the We're Watching What portion of the episode. Uh, we don't go too much into detail, but I did ask some follow-up questions about it that, you know, depending on how sensitive you are about these things, you may want to just skip ahead about 30 seconds. And then be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion as there are a couple of quick follow-up points and without further ado here's we're watching what we are back it's obi-wan episode three the first one that i watched sober probably (laughs) (laughs) or like the first time through watch sober uh what did you think i'm still enjoying there uh the the darth vader stuff was more than i expected i will say like i i expect that we'd have a showdown but for it to happen so fast Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, I'm sure we'll see him again, but but for it to arrive so quickly into the season and be such a thing, I was surprised by. It. I just jump into the end of it. I do still think that this series is very much suffering from not knowing how to get its characters out of its situations. Like, yeah, this, the way this end, this fight ended with like Vader causes this fire, drags Obi Wan into it. Which fun, fun little fact. I, in the Vader comics, he dreams about doing that to Obi-Wan. So it was kind of cool to see it realized. Ah, okay. And, uh, you know, paying it forward, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. and then, and then she comes and, and causes a fi- the fire again. And it's like, oh, can't get him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, shoot, we lost him. Oh, no, <laughs> not like, again. And I was like, wait, why don't you just pull him through it again with the fire? Or, you know, so things like that, which I, whatever. But yeah. it's just funny that it seems to be every episode, there seems to be at least one of those where I'm like, really? Yeah, the narrow, <laughs> yeah. convenient escape. Yeah, like like I'm not quite clear on how that happened, but okay. But yeah, what do you think? I'm, I'm I, having fun. I'm like having fun, but I'm also, uh, we're very much suffering from, I'm trying to pull my nose, it's like a lack of stakes amongst the main characters. I feel like this show should have been called Inquisitors not Obi-Wan, because, like, that's the only sort of realm in which there's any variables because we don't know what's going on. And, you know, we got our, like, Jedi Underground Railroad, and there was clearly some sort of reference for Reva that she was better in this episode. And then (laughs) Sung Kong was worse, which made me sad. So I'm just like, what's happening He got really robotic, right? Yeah. Did he get kind of robotic? General Grievous? It was very strange. It was very, like, stilted. And I think his character is supposed to be, but just... And also, like, I don't know where where Hayden Christensen is, right? Like, I think he might be in the suit or something along those lines. I read that, like, maybe he's in the suit. Yeah, I think he is, at least for some of it. Because I'm like, okay, cool. We see, like, Melty, him in the beginning, which could have been anybody. We see somebody walking around the suit. And then we have James Earl Jones' voice, which is fine. I'm fine with that. I'm actually happy about that because I don't want him to do a bad impression. But it's also... I don't know. I think I saw that James Earl Jones is like recording some dialogue for it, but some of it is clearly recycled because it's like mm. lines that we have heard before in other things. So oh, back to the, the Hayden Christensen part of it. Whoever is in the suit, I don't know who it is, but they are not imposing. And I don't know if it's just mm. because we've made stormtroopers taller or if we've made Vader shorter. But I just remember that first memory of seeing Vader on screen and he was like a good foot taller than everybody else, right? I think I thought Vader was like seven feet tall or something like that. You know, he's always been pretty pretty damn near it, I thought. Right. And so 
whoever they've cast as this Vader is walking around and maybe like a little bit taller than the other stormtroopers or like the civilians. But he does not, to me, have that like scary presence of like, this is a bigger, it's a larger than life villain. And I, I think there was like a misstep there, even though it feels minor, like you can feel it. Mm-hmm. I think part of that too might be attributed to Hayden being in the suit, that mm-hmm. size aside, there's something, and I, I don't think it necessarily is all bad in that there's something about the this Vader. Yes, it's 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, but when you look at the Vader we're getting and you look at the Obi-Wan we're getting, this Vader is still angry and just trying to like, and just whining and crying about Padme at this point. This like isn't when, dead know, on the as, inside Vader. Yeah. yeah. And and just like, oh, I'm bad. This is Kylo Ren Vader. You know, mm. like that's what this is. And mm-hmm. by the time we get to Vader in A New Hope, that's Vader has succumbed. Vader is the dark side and is now preaching the dark side of the force. Like, it's like, not just because he's not crying anymore about Padme. Now he's mm. like this, he's come into his power, I feel. And I kind of, I, I, this could be something that I'm like weirdly reading into, but I really felt, and my dad felt the same when I was talking about it, but I felt like James Earl Jones performance. And I don't, again, I don't know how much is new that he recorded or what, but mm-hmm. it felt, and and this, I, I paid, a tribute to him and also probably Deborah, Chow, Deborah, Deborah Chow's direction, but it feels everything he most of the things he was saying it felt to me like I could hear Hayden Christensen saying it. I know it's it's James Earl Jones talking, thank God, but uh-huh. I can hear Hayden oh, like the tone and like the inflection yeah. that I could hear the way he's delivering it. I can hear Hayden doing it like in Revenge of the Sith or something, and it's like, and I don't like Hayden's performance in those prequels at all much. But mm-hmm. I appreciated that about this in that it was like, okay, see, it's weird because I feel like we're getting, we're getting pieces of the whiny Hayden as mm-hmm. he's going to be becoming the James Earl Jones badass Darth Vader that, you know, right. I thought they did well in Rogue One. And of course, in the, the originals, you can't, you can't do better than it. But I did right. like the scene <laughs> when he's walking through the town and he's just like kind of brutally, I, I like how brutal the show is. It, mm-hmm. I, it surprises me. It surprised me in episode one when they cut off that woman's hand. This with the stormtrooper falling and getting sliced in half. And like, yeah, it's, you know, obviously we're not having a bloodbath and stuff, but Vader walking through and just kind of murdering townspeople. All all of you, like for no reason other than just like, I just going to. That's, that is, I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Anakin and I'm pissed. Like, that's like, Uh why? That's Kylo Ren. It's, I'm a big crybaby. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. And just talk crap about Kylo Ren. I think he's a good character, but I just, that's where we're at. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. No, no, but you are right. You are right. That is a good, like, it's like a maturation, right? Where it's just yeah. like, cool, like, Vader, however many years from now, is like broken as a person. Is just like, come to the dark side. You know, now he's like, Meh, dark yeah. side, wife, baby. <laughs> and I can kind of appreciate that if we're going to be getting, because again, I'm with you where I'm like, the stakes really aren't there. Yeah. But I'm kind of here for the fact that if we're going to be getting these characters and, like this and facing off and everything. I I like that we're doing it differently and showing maybe an evolution. Mm-hmm. So that gives it a little bit of purpose. Because even Obi-Wan, I would argue in this, you know, when you look at that that scene with Vader stalking him and stuff, it was very like Obi-Wan is on the defensive. He's trying to run away. He doesn't want to fight. And Obi-Wan in Clone Wars and beyond is very much known for being one of the best in the defensive strategies of the Force and not mm-hmm. a fighter. He can do it, but we look at this and he's like out of practice and I almost kind of, this sounds very dramatic, but it kind of was giving me like Obi-Wan as we knew him like died on Mustafar with Anakin Skywalker and now 
the Obi-Wan we see in A New Hope is hardened and now one with the Force and is very, uh, no, you know, kind of grandpa figure. And I kind of like that we're seeing a broken Obi-Wan who I imagine we will be, once he finally makes contact with Qui-Gon Jinn, I hope, I imagine we're going to see this is like him kind of coming back into himself. Right. Which is kind of cool. I just, the the biggest challenge to me is the time jump and whatever it is, Mm -hmm. because it's like, how do we get from here? And I made this joke to somebody else and they also made the exact same joke about the twin sons and like moisture. I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. But just from like a character standpoint, that's a lot of self-work to do in, what is it, four years to Rebels when it's old Obi-Wan. And so I I just don't know if the show can cover it in the span of time because like so far it's been one day or like one outing, right? And so they're going to have to cover a lot of ground in order to give us hints of going him going on this journey. And I, it's not that I don't have faith in Deborah Chow and the writers, but I just, I, I thought this was like a one-off series. So I don't know how we're going to do think, it. Yeah, it could have been a rumor, but I think I saw season two was going to be coming, but maybe it's just people speculating. Oh, I but, thought this was supposed to be a limited series. I thought so too. And I thought that that would make most sense. I, I agree with you. I will say that in everything I'm describing, it's what I think they are, or what I feel they are going for. It's not mm-hmm. that I think that it'll necessarily be totally successful in doing it, but I'm down right. for the effort and wish that it could be successful. I mean, obviously with the aging up, by the time we see Obi-Wan in Rebels, I believe it's, because this is maybe, yeah, four years prior, but then there's a time jump in the middle of Rebels also before we see him. It's not humongous, but it's a good, okay. I think a good few years or four years might span across Rebels. So, but either way, there's no way that yeah, but I was like, we're seven years to yeah, New Hope. So no matter what, even, yeah, and and I will say, I, I like, I, I still am enjoying for the most part the Leia aspects of this, but I almost would argue I feel it could be a little bit stronger of a series if this was not Leia, but just some random child that we actually could worry about, because mm, yeah, to that point also, I think this could be more believable and effective if this was like five, six years after Revenge of the Sith, and in that mm. case they would have had a five or six year old Leia, which wouldn't play as well, I don't think. And so if it was just some other child, yeah, I think that could, could lend itself a little bit better. But, right. But then like the know. stakes of being like, come out of hiding, you know, but yeah, to, yeah, like why? to the point of characters who we don't know, who we could have given a damn about, and I think I still do, Indira Varma, and I know we are mm-hmm. both the only ones amongst our friends who watched Rome, who such a delight. And also Game of Thrones. But, you know, she showed up and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, the the duality of her character and and learning more about this, like, underground railroad for Jedi. Like, I liked that part of it. And I was like, are we going to go there? Because there's yeah. my theory now, having said these out loud, is like, oh, are we setting up a spinoff where it's like Reva's path and, you know, maybe you have Indira Varma's character and like the people who are doing this sort of like shepherding of the Jedi mm-hmm. to the course of the world. And she's trying to seek her additional revenge on you know, hunting these Jedi too when she realizes she can't get Obi-Wan or something like that. Like that, that could be a series. Yeah, no, it sure could. And that's, and you know, Indira, it was, I mean, yeah, I I really love the character and I was going to say that too, that it's, it's okay. Finally. Okay. I really care about her already. And it's just a tribute to her, I think, but, (laughs) but I, I do care. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be upset if something bad happens to you, which I imagine it may. Uh, and I was laughing because I was like, are they Dorn? Is it Dorn? I was like, now with Pedro yeah. and her, we've Dorn is, yeah. has come to. The, the sand know. snakes are representing yeah. the sand people. Yeah. Yeah. The sand people oh, yeah. I guess they are sand. Yeah. So, you sand know, sand people. Sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that Underground Railroad type thing, I loved it because uh, I don't know if you mentioned or if you heard him mention it was Dryden. Or, God, what is 
say Dryden. It was, um, my God, it was, uh, <laughs> why can't I think of his name? Voss. I love this man. Who? Dryden Voss is the is the baddie, the Crimson Dawn baddie, and I always oh. say his name on accident. Quinlan Voss. <laughs> Quinlan okay, Voss. I was like, I don't know who you're talking so, about was, either way. So. Yeah, so everyone was like, Quinlan, Quinlan was here. And that was the confirmation that Quinlan is still, a, or has been alive recently, somewhat recently, and in, um, and she knew him, it seems. And Quinlan is a character, you only see the the Jedi very briefly in, I think, in, in a bar scene in Phantom Menace in the background. And so he, the design of that character in that movie became someone in Clone Wars. Okay. But he's a Jedi. Obi-Wan has worked with him before. They face off with Cad Bane. There's a bunch of stuff. He then went on and had one of my favorite Star Wars books that takes place at the end of the Clone Wars with Asajj Ventress, who is on the stand for. They have a really wonderful book together, working together. And he is a very, very, uh, he's a troubled character in a way. And he's the type of Jedi where he can touch objects and sense their histories with people. So like, he's a tracker. He's like a hunter. Ah. And so it really makes sense that he would be responsible here trying to help smuggle baby baby Jedi around. Uh-huh. And what I really loved about that moment was when we see Reva in there and looking at all the stuff in the wall and like kind of putting her hand up toward that Jedi symbol. Yeah. I felt like that was probably the strongest for me, the strongest one of the strongest moments of her acting in the in the show so far where I really thought she conveyed that she looked like she kind of her brow kind of softened and she looked like she almost wanted to start crying. Like, not full, you know. I agree. That was the, the best end. moment. That was one yeah. of the better moments in this, the show. And then yeah. she channeled it into rage and starts hitting things because that is what you do when you're trying to be dark. You know, it's like that's like, oh, no, yeah. I'm going to channel this this emotion into rage and I'm the dark side. And I think it really, for me, really, really kind of felt like a little bit of a confirmation. I know it's probably not fully, but that she is one of those Jedi at the beginning in that Order 66 scene. And I think that, I think we're really going to see what happened to her. And I think that that excites me a lot. It makes me think yeah, they're I, really teasing a redemption arc for her. Well, I, I actually don't even care if we give her a redemption arc. I just want to see an arc. I, somebody needs to have an arc oh, that totally, I haven't yeah. seen before. <laughs> you know? No, I just did an arc from her as well. But I, I just mean I think that they might be teasing a redemption. But yeah, whatever they did with her, I just want it to be good. But yeah. I would love something Quinlan related. I would love a spinoff series that is focusing on these Inquisitors hunting down those Jedi. And to that point, how we kind of got on that topic, when we talk about something that would be stakes, high enough stakes for Obi-Wan to come out of hiding to do this, why that could have been chill, you know, young Force-sensitive people are being hunted and there's a lead and Gwendolyn Boss comes to him and like whatever. Like That could have been what the call to action other yeah. than Leia. But, you know. There could have been something, but I'm not mad you're, about. You're that. right. No, you're Just right. In that, it's like goes. okay, the the Obi Wan we have set up in the prequels, even right, is somebody who, when it was like okay, they're murdering children, would have come out of hiding. Um, yeah, you know, I would think, but but you know, I mean, again, I'm not mad about the Leia. It's just more that I, I think uh, it it kind of holds us in a box that I think we necess- wouldn't necessarily have had to have been in before. Well, right, because one of the setup of. The the Zach Braff character turned out, yeah. Um, which because I was like, this voice does sound familiar, and then somebody's like, Zach Braff, and I was like, oh, that was like the most MAGA character in the entire Star Wars universe, right? Well, that whole thing worked, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a very accurate, like, uh, you know, MAGA, like World War II Holocaust, like, you know, they came for me, like all of that, very well encapsulated in one storyline right without overtly well i mean it's overtly but without being like it's maga you know yeah, right. <laughs> but 
you know they're going to be fine because they're, yeah. you know, you know they're going to exactly. get out of it because it's like, well, we know, guess what? She done grow up someday. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, know you know, it's not. And, yeah. So the stakes of it, like, it was a great setup that just felt somewhat wasted because, you know, we yeah. know how their fates end up. 100%. No, I, I totally agree with that. And, but it was, yeah, it was a good setup. It was a pretty tense scene. I loved the conversation that Obi-Wan and Leia had there. I loved the whole, like, when she's, like, asking him if he's her father. And yeah. I liked that stuff because it was heartbreaking, you know? It was just very, because it's like, you know, he's just like, I wish that I could say I was because it's like, you know. Your dad's a monster. Your dad's <laughs> a monster. And and little does he know she's going to be coming across him very very shortly without knowing that's him. But it's like, I, I thought that was touching. And I, I liked that. I liked their acting in that scene. Um it made me, I had a thought that I forgot to bring up last week, but I, I was reminded of it when watching this week. I hope, and this is just, you know, the Padme loyalist inside of me, but I would really love, you know how in, in Return of the Jedi, Leia has that line that everyone has always bumped on since the prequels came out, which I, I understand and agree with, but where they're talking about, he before Luke says, you're my sister, and he's like, she's like, I remember my mother, very distant memories of my mother or something like that, and she was always very just sad and, you know, this and yeah. that. And then everyone's like, well, wait, how do you remember your mother? She's dead, you know. Um, and then it was like, oh, maybe she's talking about her mom on, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, her, her adoptive mother. Like. Yeah, it could be that. But but then also we're seeing a character where she doesn't seem very sad. She seems very, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you know, but anyway, I was like, I, I would love it if there's a, a quiet scene at some point. Leia, maybe she's sleeping. I don't know what it is, whatever. But I would love if Obi-Wan tried to channel like if he you know touched her head or something like that whatever gently and, like, uh-huh, and gave to, like, her like memories of her mother uh-huh. and t- was trying to transfer like the strength and all the things that like Padme was and embodied and just the good like that's what she embodied and of course sadness comes through you know you know and things because of what ends up happening but I would love if they did something stupid like that I mean uh-huh. I know, it wouldn't be stupid but t- I, it would just really serve me because then it would be like because uh, then I could hear that like line of Leia and actually imagine her thinking about Padme. And I right. love that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I there's think it's moments. Possible. There's moments, but it's also just like, I, I've said it before, we're just done with the Skywalkers. Like, just let's yeah, move along. I agree. Yeah. Like, this is not, this it, is not helping. <laughs> yeah. And it feels very kind of like, again, I'm having fun, but I'm like, but, or and, you know what I mean? Kind of at yeah, the end of every yeah. episode, I'm not like dying for the next week. I do think it's possible that next week or hopefully sometime very soon we are going to get some some live action flashbacks to things in the clone wars i think that's where we're going to see hayden as hayden uh and i i think that if we get that i think that's going to be pretty fun i think we might get hints of obi-wan's past with things in mandalore things that i don't want to be too spoiler about for people who don't know about it whatever but there's a lot of stuff with him in clone wars that i think they could really tap into that speak to who he is beyond a jedi and when he is aware of the relationship that's transpired between Padme and Anakin, his choice to not report it is mm-hmm. very based on things in his own personal life. And I think it'd be really interesting to explore those. Yeah. Again, I don't know how, how much we can really do because we're kind of in another situation where kind of like uh, Boba Fett in ways we're three episodes in and, you know, stuff has happened, but plot hasn't like, really taken off in a way yeah. that I feel is like, oh, okay. You know, it feels very kind of, okay, now you got to wrap this. Isn't it only six episodes or is it? Mm-hmm. We're halfway through. Like, we're halfway done and I'm kind of like, okay, this, now you got to like 
take us somewhere. I don't know. So it feels kind of like, what is, is this going to just be a, like a womp womp? Yeah. Kind of how I felt about Boba. But in, in fairness to, to Boba Fett, I was not on board until the very end. Yeah. But it's because they pandered and they gave me the baby. <laughs> they gave you the baby. Yeah. So I don't think that will happen for me with Obi-Wan because yeah. there's no, you know, the baby's obviously not showing up. But given, you know, there are things in the backstory that I think would make you that happy. So it's like it could yeah. turn, right? The tides could turn right. dramatically in the second half. We just don't know. But they did it in the last one for some of us, me. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not yeah. outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I did, and I definitely, you know, to not to go all the way about Boba again, but I, I enjoyed the whole thing as a whole. I just think the last episode was a little like, womp womp. Was, but then I, I also had all these like, yeah. had all these big hopes for what it would become. You, you had and theories. Trying, you had your theories. Yeah, I, you know, I always do. And I'm trying not to let myself get away with those. Like if he doesn't do what I said about the pattern memories, I'm not going to be like, oh, how dare this show. Yeah. You know, my, I think we've probably talked about this in the past, but my, my wild theory that I know is not a thing, but my, I think I always wanted to hope back in the day was I was like, I, I just want there to be a world where they faked, they did this elaborate fake of Padme's death because just to, you know, protect all this from Anakin and all this, whatever. And that, that really she was alive and started the rebellion and all this, whatever. And I know and it's not separated fake, her from her newborns. That'd be know, pretty jacked I just, up. I was just trying to like, you know, really just find a way. I, I hate, I, I still hate to this day. I will always, always hate to this day that that woman who is, has so much conviction and strength, died of a broken heart because she lost the will to live right as she's giving birth. It's like that makes me really like, Bleh. I mean, just, like, I don't discarded. feel like that was the science behind it, but all right. That's what, that's what the robot said. It was like, she's okay, losing the will well, to live. That's like, right. <laughs> like, that's, like that's the description of it. The it droids like, could interpret metaphysical, like emotional crises like that. I no, you're know. right. You're right. I haven't watched it in a long time, but it is. I bothered to put the line in there. So who knows? But okay, it just okay, was such so... a disservice to her, you know? Here's the question. Yeah. If it meant that the plot line involves, because we've seen somebody come back before, and that is when Emperor Palpatine threw mm -hmm. shitty clones and things like that. If it meant that there was a clone of her, but it had to be like essentially the Palpatine storyline, would you take Padme back? No, because I think that would be also kind of a desecration of her. I think that it right. was just wrong that she died the way she did personally. But I think with the exception of like some elaborate weird thing that if they did it well enough somehow with her having her death having been faked or something. I don't think I need her back. In a flashback, I would be, I would die. If I, we found out Natalie Portman showed up for a flashback, I would just <laughs> die. Uh, oh, oh, for a flashback. Either, but, okay, I was like. but the thing that, the thing that I do think would be fun and I do think is possible someday. I don't know that it would be Kira Knightley. I don't think she would do it, but Sabe, her main oh, handmaiden, yeah. is a huge thing in those Padme books that I love. Okay. She's also a huge thing in the comics. And when we leave her in those Padme books, She's on Tatooine because during, basically, those books take place in between the prequel films for the most part. Uh -huh. And before Revenge of the Sith, when we last see Sabe, she is actually on Tatooine, stationed there, and she is trying to free all the slaves. And How because funny. that's what Padme wanted to do yeah. for Anakin. And so she, as far as we know, stayed alive. And then now in the current Vader comics, which are taking place during the original trilogy, she's alive. Oh. So she could show up. And we are on Tatooine. Not right now, but I mean, Obi-Wan is on Tatooine. And so yeah. depending on where this goes, I think it'd be really cool if Sabe got a really, a big part in in kind of helping spark the rebellion in Padme's honor. That would do, that would make me really happy. I think that is quite a stretch. 
for oh i'm uh, sure but it would yeah. make me really happy. it would be interesting yeah and it is it's yeah. so funny like just looking at the the rolling of the dice of like who had a huge career after and who yeah. didn't you know poor kid who plays young anakin yeah you know, the, the throne was his uh whereas like extra barely speaks Kara knightley like good for her yeah oh and i always wonder her agents or something i don't know if choices were made or whatnot but clearly they were she was her main handmaiden and then never appeared in the sequels so it was like you know and the character didn't die so it was very it made me wonder if it's like oh kira had some people around her who were like you need to separate yourself from this Uh, it's (laughs) possible or it's like hey you could get real roles like you don't yeah. need to be an extra, have, yeah. essentially, anymore. Exactly. Like, we'll put you up even in the think, Star War. Right. I always think all those handmaidens, or at least, you know, most of them probably auditioned to be the queen, right? You know, and then didn't yeah, get yeah. it and got handmaiden, yeah. which, you know, fair. It's Natalie Portman, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I just think that would be interesting. And it, and it wouldn't... Not ha- I mean, it'd be... I, I would actually think it would be amazing if Kira did do it, if they ever did it, but I I can't imagine she would at this point. But um, yeah, it's a stretch, but it would make me happy if they did it. All right. Well, we'll have to see with this week's episode because we don't know where it's going, but we do yeah. because Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, Reva, Reva's got got Leia. Obi Wan is burnt. Yeah, he's just more, but seemingly fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in terms of in terms, Vader I guess has this is not as flammable him. as lava. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sure. But moving on. <laughs> Speaking of fire, <laughs> what a second. Fire. Fire. <laughs> uh, we watched Fire Island this week. From Fire Planets Did you enjoy? Island. Yeah, from Fire Planets to Hating Santa, but to the beaches of Fire yeah. Island. Um, yes. Did you enjoy? So, you know, I knew next to nothing going into this. You told me about it, and okay. I didn't. I decided not to watch a trailer. I okay. thought this movie was so, so much fun. I did, had such a good time. Did I tell you it was basically Pride and Prejudice beforehand? No. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, and it totally Wonderful. was. But I I thought this movie was so so much fun and honestly so well done. I was I it very much surprised me. I was like, I, again, I'm kind of biased when it comes to like as we talked with these straight to streaming films. Sometimes it's very, eh, you know. But yeah. this was one where I don't know. I I could have seen watching it in the theater between this and Fresh this year. I thought I just think Hulu. I'm like okay, Hulu. <laughs> well, Hulu's you. picking up a bunch of the Searchlight stuff. Is what it's coming down, yeah. down to. Yeah, and it's a smart move. Do you know what platform it was originally supposed to be on? No, I don't. Quibi. That's why that joke was in there. Yep. And I, I mean, that's not that why joke. the joke was in yeah. there, but like there okay. was that joke. Yeah. Well, I laughed at that joke because I remember when I worked in reality television, we were having to like try to develop stuff for Quibi. We had this big deal and it was going to be the next big thing, whatever. And I just remember yeah. I was like, they were trying to have us, you know, I worked in branding and they were like, hey, can you think of branded content we could do for Kirby and stuff? And we're like having to ideate some stuff. And I was just like, what? And again, <laughs> that's what I said about Snapchats. But I said, I mean, we got to be produced shows for Snapchat, all kinds of things that apparently were fine and successful yeah. for the people. That, but the Quibi thing, I was like, I don't understand how this is ever going to be a thing. And, and I, it was one thing I was right about. <laughs> yeah. But it's just that that like, thing where they invested so much into this thing. And so I did, I did laugh about that. But. Wow, I did. I, wow, Quibi. Yeah, but then but, bl- blessed Searchlight and Hulu for saving it. Yeah. At what point did you realize it was Pride and Prejudice, or did you realize it was Pride and Prejudice? I think I realized it. You know, because one of the things was it felt. 
I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the main, basically the main character who was narrating. Oh, uh, Joel Kim Booster. Yes. It felt as if this was supposed to be his movie, but a lot of the plot kept feeling like it was focusing on Bowen Yang's story. Yeah. And so then I started paying attention and I was like, oh, and you're, okay, set, whatever. And somewhere in there, I don't remember the exact moment it clicked, but somewhere in there I was like, oh, he's Jane. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he's, he's Lizzie. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, he's uh, Lizzie. Bowen, yeah. Bowen is Jane. Yeah. Bowen's Jane, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Then I yeah, was yeah. like, oh, and that's Darcy. And I was like, <laughs> over, you know, the other guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I totally get that. And I thought that it was, it was, uh, I don't know, it was done in a way that it, I don't know, it didn't feel all that on the nose to me, even though it was so obvious. You know, it, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. But, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, so Joel Kim Booster wrote it, or adapted it, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, in addition to being the lead, but also like the co-lead, but he's the lead. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So so I knew it was based on, I knew it was inspired by Pride and Prejudice. I didn't okay. think this was actually Pride and Prejudice. And so in the beginning, you know, he's reading Austin. I was like, okay, this is a little on the nose, but fine. And then I was like, oh no, it's literally on the nose because it is yeah. Jane Austen. Okay, fine. Yeah. And then I kept being, then I kept mapping it, right? Because I was like, oh, okay. So these two are the sisters and this first is, and, and I was like- mm-hmm. And the big thing for me is spoilers was I was like, oh, my God, what is going to be the like the Wickham scandal? Right. Like, yeah. I do wish Jackie was here for this. But I was like, what are they going to do to contextualize this in like modern day? That would be so horrid that, you know, we have to yeah. have this huge blow up over. And I thought they did like a really good job of picking something that was that major. Was that major. And yeah. and I'm, I'm going to make a major comparison. And I don't know if it will stand the test of time in the same way. I don't. Uh, maybe it will. To me, this captures modern right now in, an, in the same way that Clueless captured. Yes. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I honestly did. And like when you were when we're adapting these these older stories, but showing that they are kind of timeless stories because you could yeah. really like, you know, I believe that's the thing is I believed. I mean, Clueless is is a little more out there as far as believing what's happening in it. I guess. Right. But but I agree with that that comparison and in this I really did believe the situations like you know I mean I have been to Fire Island for filming and it 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 felt it felt like Fire Island like when I was was like I have this 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 is it uh and uh it but it felt the situations and the and the the attractions and the way it was all developed just felt like it was a really realistic take on like this is from someone who has lived some of these stories and was right. like this all fits into a pride and prejudice narrative and i'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> you know and margaret show was a delight in this i have to say yes. i loved her yes. I always, she's always a delight but she was like i can't remember exactly what it was but there were a couple of times where she had i kind of fell out like she had me laughing really hard <laughs> she was great i again i know so much about this because i did like a press thing for it and then i've just been listening like they've been doing the press circuit too so i've been hearing other interviews i was like oh she wasn't originally supposed to be in it I can't remember who it was supposed to be, but it was, you know, and then they they barely had to rewrite it for Margaret. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's super cute. It's light. It's breezy. Yeah. I like that it did not shy away from, like, the R-ratedness of it where it's like, yeah. cool, you're going to get a modern gay romance and, like, we're going to mm-hmm. show the community. It's not, like, it's not the same. It's not the same as yeah. – a con- like a heteronormative romance you know no, yeah, that, you, like, there's basically orgies happening <laughs> yeah yeah and it, you you live a little more out and loud because you 
come from a place of people trying to subdue you, right? So you do the opposite. Yeah. And it's just kind of that's. Well, also, it's just like it's a safe space, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. But yeah, I I found so much of it funny, and what I kind of wondered about with uh, Jackie, I'm curious to know, like again with the Pride and Prejudice stuff, of course, but I'm curious to know her thoughts because. I kept on thinking, and now I do this all the time when I'm watching things, but I kept on thinking, like, is Jackie going to be too uncomfortable here? Is she going to be, like, is she dying because the awkwardness here or there or whatever? Yeah. And I think she'll be okay. I think I she'll, think she'll I think be she'll okay be. because she likes this type of stuff, like, yes. Austin, like, you but know, also classic she likes, yeah, Regency, romance, mm-hmm. you know, Bridgerton, like, this, this yeah. the, the core love stories, et cetera, is up her alley enough that, like, and this is why I do think, like, we keep adapting Pride and Prejudice, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. there's it's just a universal story. Yeah. And it was of its time, but it, it's just, it's pretty cool that something so old can still resonate in yeah. a way that feels totally modern and accurate. And it just, I, kept, I know I said this, right, but it just felt very honest. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I believed it. I, and I mean this in the best way as a big fan of hers. The humor in it gave me... Uh, some of the uh, Amy Schumer's comedies humor, mm. like the train wreck and kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. I feel pretty type of stuff. And those are some of my favorite types of adult comedies that we have today. Like yeah. if like I, I was really happy that I have this to be able to watch and I can watch it again or whatever. But like the theater kid in me, well, movie theater kid in me was like, I wish I could have seen this movie theater and I would have like been raving about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it does seem like it, it would have been good. A, a good communal viewing experience. Yeah, it just would be so funny, and it, and it felt, uh, it felt like a real movie. Like again, it looked like a yeah. real movie, and it, like you yeah, know, like you said, the searchlight stuff. But it, it was like, wow, okay, cool. So I pleasantly surprised. I don't know if I would have been so pleasantly surprised if I had seen the trailer or kind of read up on it or whatever. But going in totally blind to it, it was really. I would have liked it still a lot, but I just yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It like, is. Oh wow! I expected to kind of be like, okay, it's be mediocre, you know? Yeah. Important question, because I asked this to the director and, and Joel Kimbuster. In terms of other Pride and Prejudice adaptations, are you the BBC miniseries version, or are you the Joe Wright version? So controversially, I am the Joe Wright version. Oh, God. And here's the thing. I think the BBC version is very, very good. I can watch the Joe Wright version anytime because it's, it's uh, palatable for one sitting. Yeah, that's and I'll give you that. You don't have BBC to dedicate version. like a half day of yeah. your life to it. I mean, you're talking to someone who I, Lord of the Rings, extended edition or bust. Sure, right? yeah. but, but, but it's just, there's something about the flow of the BBC version where I can, I love it. Well, I don't, I don't love it. I like it, but I can, it feels a bit episodic to me. So it mm. kind of feels a little bit more, because I know it aired in two parts or whatever. So it, it, no, it's like five, I don't know. It's like or six five, parts. five, six parts or whatever, right? It, but it, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, it was six parts, but it aired. Did it air six different nights when it aired? I have I no idea. It. it was so long ago that yeah. I we, watched I, it on DVD, yeah. like you know, but, right. I, but it, I felt like I could feel it starting and ending, starting and ending, like chapters in a way. Where I like that the Joe Wright one is is one solid thing, and and I love a lot of things about the Joe Wright one that are not even just story related. I, I love the music and the and the cinematography and like the you know a lot of things about it but i do not argue where when people kind of come into like the strengths of the bbc versus this i I totally get it so i guess it it was six episodes and it came out weekly which i think makes sense for the structure of it right because it's Mm -hmm. like ooh, that cliffhanger like ooh, will they won't they you know you're just extending it over like a month basically which makes sense with the editing of it right 
And that's and, why when that, we binge it, you know, it feels episodic, yeah. but it's just like, well, it wasn't meant to be binged. Yeah, it feels it's a bit more like It's meant to be a long, drawn-out courtship. <laughs> yeah, whereas if that exact version was made today and it was released in the in our binge world or We'd whatever, lose our minds. It might, it might be a <laughs> little like boredom smoother. or something. Yeah, but, but it also, but it might be, a, it might have been done in a way that felt a little smoother mm. for me in that, you know. But yeah, again, I and Colin Firth, wonderful. I really appreciate that. I like Matthew McFadden a lot as Darcy, and I, I appreciate that. I felt like he brought something totally different to it. Like, I feel like they're totally different Darcy's, but they're still the same character. Yeah. And that's hard to do when you've got. That's true. Colin Firth's performance, and it's like, he's, it's, he's very known for it, and it's very widely renowned. And then to kind of come in and have to fill those shoes, but be like, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, and it's still going to be Darcy. And I thought, I don't know, that was great. I do confess, I'm not a, when it comes to Jane Austen stuff, I, I've read a few of her books. I have not read all of them by any means, and I am not obsessed with the source material by, at all. Yeah, I... You know, and so there's that. My sister loves the book and swears by that version, and it's like, she likes the Joe Wright one okay, but she's well, just like, oh, but they cut so much out. I'm not really right. That's what it comes down to, right? It's like almost an unfair comparison, but I ask it anyway because it's like, yeah. cool, six hours essentially versus <laughs> doing it in two. You know, maybe if you're a three-hour movie, you're still half the time. Like, it's not the same thing. And so it's almost unfair to be like, well, yeah, of course you're going to be more like true of an adaptation if you have three extra hours to do it in. I'm also with you on like Austin novels. Because mm-hmm. I've read Pride and Prejudice, I've read Sense and Sensibility, and I don't even think I've read Emma, which I probably shouldn't admit to, but I'm going to admit it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, aside from that, there's Mansfield. There's only like a handful of full novels, and I'm just like, yeah. you know, I guess Mansfield Park is the other like big one I need to read. Yeah. And Emma. but Yeah. And, and I think when all that being said, and there's such big books and, you know, big stories and things like that, I I think it when I look at the Joe Wright version, I do think, yes, I could totally hear people being like, oh, you should keep this in, keep that in. But the story is still so largely intact that I think it's a testament to being able to like dwindle it down to, like you said, two hours and kind of make it still like, I believe the love story in it. Yeah. The love stories in it, I did. I believe. Sure. And I thought the acting overall was pretty solid. And, you know, yeah, we're, you know, to me, they're both really, really well done. And to talk about the most first world problem to be able to, like, oh, which one do you like better? Because they're both good. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? I, I th- you, often you get two really good adaptations of the same thing. Your sister and I, in our the early stages of our friendship, like the the Pride and Prejudice was a formative, I think, part of yeah. our discussions. Yeah, as it is with yeah. many, I think, with her. And she, she, yeah, that's, I think, I think she would probably go on record if you can count, because it is a show or miniseries, if you can count it as like a film, because that's how she watches it. Yeah. I think that she would probably go on record saying that that's what probably top five favorite films of all time she's yeah. that obsessed yeah that's she fair it. yeah like, and you know i watch this i now. love that <laughs> love that for her <laughs> all right well speaking of watching things yeah. we're watching what what else did we watch this week so i did a double header at the theater oh i watched two non-dana proof movies but oh, no. for any for any horror pseudo horror fans out there <laughs> i watched uh I watched Watcher, which oh, I heard about that. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was fine. It was you know yeah, not a damn movie. I, I don't, I don't, right. I don't recommend it for anyone, but it but it was one of those horror films. I kind of say with quotes where I think Dana, you could survive <laughs> through it. You just won't want to. But but like yeah. it wouldn't be like ruining your life. I don't think. 
it was okay. It was just very, very slow. And but I liked the ending. But it was, you know, I will say the actress in it though. I can't remember her name, but and I and her photos online, I don't think really do it much justice. But I swear to you, when I was the entirety of watching this film, I was convinced it was like, is that like a daughter of Gwen Stefani and Gavin Rossman? <laughs> she looked so much like Gwen Stefani to me, and, and, and like not just like a dead ringer, like oh that's Gwen, but it, like she would, yeah, the way she'd move and the, the I was like, is that she has to be related, but doesn't appear to be. But yeah, you know, whatever. I wasn't mad about it, but I don't have plans to watch it again. Okay. Female director, which was kind of cool. And then I watched Crimes of the Future, Mr. David Cronenberg. Crimes um, of the Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh, for some reason I thought it was like Crimes of the Body, but it's body horror, not Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very horror at all. I was really hoping it would be. It was certain things to look at were horrifying, but it wasn't like a horror film. And yeah. The world that he built, I, I'm with Cronenberg. I'm very, I can be very hit or miss, but I almost, almost always appreciate his commitment mm-hmm. to what he's doing. Right? Uh, I don't always love the film, but I'm like, okay. And uh, I liked the world he. I was intrigued by the world he built. It was a horrifying world, but I was intrigued by it. Uh, I felt that it was very much um, stylistically, and and all of that was was like, okay, cool. And then mm-hmm. the plot was just left something to be desired. It was just kind of like, oh, that's what you did with this? Yeah. Um, so it was a little slow and drab, but, you know. I was actually going to try and watch that, but it the screening was scheduled for the day I was supposed to drive back. Mm. And so I just ended up missing it, and then I had plans that night. Uh, the, I, yeah, the body, say, the like body horror freaks me out yeah. a lot, and so I was like, I, yeah. "I am not going to change my other plans in order to do this." Like, had the screening been convenient, I would have gone to see it, but I yeah. was just like, "I don't think I'm ready to." I would say, yeah, for for that, I wouldn't recommend at all that you watch it. Just in that, if anyone's ever triggered by by that kind of stuff, it's definitely not for you. It's very uh, not to say you're triggered by, it, but you know what I mean. Like, if anyone, yeah, if yeah. anyone out there is. Uh, it, it, there were a couple times I looked away a little bit too because it's just a lot of slicing things open and no, 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 and it's kind of this world they built where basically the the just not spoilery but the premise of where it, this future that we're in is it's about evolution right and and the human body has evolved to a place where it doesn't feel pain anymore mm. and so there are people who are like but if we can't feel pain our body isn't warning us about problems blah blah you know that's what we have it it's a defense mechanism yeah and people consider bodily harm now to be like the new form of sex and so there are like shot frequent shots of like at a party and i'm sitting there and someone just like is like with a like a knife just like cutting into someone's foot and they're like oh kind of no orgasm. absolutely not absolutely and so not. yeah it's things like that that i just nope. am like I, I wouldn't recommend it for you nope, if, that's if that's, a hard no. yeah. and i think that that's the kind of thing that could be triggering for a lot of people and so i would i would highly caution against that does the body still like suffer grievous injury like if you get stabbed in the foot can you walk after or are you like yeah they super healing you can walk because they're not like they're not doing deep like they're not doing deep 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 like i'm cutting into your like, oh God, muscles into the horrifying but like... it's like but they but it's interesting because there were there were characters who like something would happen then you'd see them and it's like well how much time has passed so they didn't have a scar on their body and i think uh-huh. that they didn't really explicitly go too far into it but i think that they have also are able to Whatever they're, however, whatever method they do, they're able to heal pretty quickly. Okay. From it. Yeah. And Scott Speedman was in it. <laughs> and he was a decent sized part. And I was like, you were not even in the trailer, sir. And so that was yeah. shocking to me because he wasn't bad in it or anything, but he was just, you know, I was like, oh, I didn't know you were in this. 
Yeah, there were a lot higher build people, I would say. Than yeah. Scott Spacey, like, but all right. Yeah, yeah, but it was just, uh, he just, you know, but yeah, it it was an in- intriguing thing. Also, I will say, what kind of bugged me is, I know this is not uh, any strange thing that we're coming across, but there was some pretty full, you know, full nudity, full body nudity of like Leia Sido and like, and other women actresses and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But whenever Vigo, and maybe it was a thing where Vigo doesn't do that, I don't know, but whenever he'd be undergoing a, a performative surgery or whatever, yeah, um, when he would normally be all the way nude, they were covering it up, covering it like they had a thing. But every time it was a woman, she's just scantily clad on the whole thing. You see everything. And it right. was very just kind of like so male gazy in a way that and it wasn't a plot point that women are more objectified than men in this future. It just was like, oh, you as a director are just a creep. And that put uh, a bad taste in my mouth. This is, I, this is now going to haunt my Google search history, but he sure does do that full frontal because uh, uh, what was it oh, Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises. And, and yep. that's Cronenberg also. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So yeah. I don't know. It, it just he's now old. like X amount no. older, so I could see Sure. Him. Oh, and... There was... Oh, God, what is this a photo from? Well, that's just oh, full on. All right. I don't know what this movie is, but he definitely doesn't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, then, yeah, I don't know. But then, yeah, I forgot there was... It was a deceased body, but there was definite full frontal nudity of a kid, which is unfortunate to a guy, a boy. But, oh, I um, should not have clicked on this was, website. <laughs> which I thought was a little like, oh, jeez. But yeah, it was just it was it was just something I was very aware of when watching, and it. it was kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, that's that's like um, the Northman, like, you know. Yeah, true, and it was just, and it was very just kind of like still today, you know, right. like <laughs> you know what I mean, like come on. Yeah, I I get I get very annoyed by that where I'm just like, yeah, yeah it's you know if it's okay for us, it should be okay for you, like totally. And I'm you know I'm, I'm guilty of the double standard where like I'm a big Kubrick fan, and he's definitely here's some boobs and I'm not going to show you a lot more, you know, he's yeah. definitely that. And, and that's upsetting and everything. I, I also do think though, at least with that, it's not to forgive it, but it is something where, you know, Kubrick's not alive and making things in 2022. And I'd like exactly. to think that. Yeah. I, I was going to say the same, just like the, yeah. the MPAA and like the pre MPAA probably like rating system. Like I can understand in the beginning, you know, it's like, you couldn't even have married couples in the same bed. Like we've yeah. come a long way. Yeah. And that's the point. We've come a long way. Like, yeah. You know. So, like, why are you still doing this? Like, you know. Right. And if you're going to do it, equal opportunity it. Because again, mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not mad about gratuitous nudity for the most part, but I want it to be equal opportunity, just because otherwise it feels creepy. Yeah. And, and you know, again, when I say I'm not at all a problem with it, it, when it, when it makes sense or serves the plot in some way, it's like I don't yeah. need it just to be for no reason. But I do think that there are films where they do well, warrant it. Fire Island is a good example, actually, of mm-hmm. where it's just like this would make sense for the setting. Yeah. <laughs> like, and even is. still, we didn't get anything super crazy. In that. I mean, we got, yeah. it was raunchy, but they didn't go. Well, for, as... for middle America, it might've been. Oh, oh God. Yeah. For middle America, I'm sure some of them would die watching yeah. it. But I, but I just mean, you know, it could have been a lot more still and they didn't. And it was like, okay, it didn't, didn't feel like they were making it like, you know, they weren't, they it didn't feel like they were, they were exploiting anybody's body. Yes, correct. Yeah. They were not, you know I mean? I it was not I mean. exploitative because I think in part yeah. because it was like an understanding male gaze of the male gaze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of that male, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. You know, but yeah. Anyway, how about you? <laughs> so you will be very proud. I started, restarted trying to watch Clone Wars. Ooh. I need, does it get better after season one? 
I think so. When but... does it does it is season one a well loved season? I think that the people who like love Clone, like like I like them all for their charm, but I I feel it strengthens later in three, and I love seven, and I think like four is okay. I think five and six are strong. I think it gets better as it goes. Okay. I will say this is a question I do think you should ask Jackie because she did just go through it. I will say she had the hardest time, not to speak for her too much, but getting through what you're doing right now, like the first few, yes. like you know, like, ah. and. It felt she she said that by four or five, I think it started picking up for her a lot more, and then she was able to kind of blast through a lot of it. I it, yeah, it just feels I like a know. very extensive investment. Yeah, to make it is it is. <laughs> but I also, having lived through celebration with y'all, realize I probably want the backstory. Yeah, so I started. I restarted because I'd watched. I I'm doing the chronological order, which is like on StarWars.com. Mm-hmm. So it's like they are chronology, not the order release chronology. So I've seen like one or two episodes from season three. I saw the Clone Wars like movie and now I'm halfway through the first season because at a certain point it's like, okay, now you can watch from this point forward, yeah. you know. There's chunks. And I am just not retaining anything part because I'm watching the background. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I We'll see. I'll probably oh. end up like sticking with it a little bit because just, but in the background yeah. is the part of the problem, right? Yeah. The hard thing about it, I will say, is there are like once you really get invested in who Ahsoka is and some other characters, there are some through lines that become very entertaining. But a lot of it, especially early on, is really anecdotal kind of uh, asides. There's like, oh, yes. here's stuff that's going on in the Clone Wars that actually doesn't end up being all that important. Right. Um, and so that kind of sucks. But again, to find the ones that matter, it's like, how are you supposed to do that without watching, right? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I'm truly part. a completionist. Yeah, I'm a completionist, which is why I was like, I guess I got to do this in this like bonkers yeah. order. So I'll probably continue to watch it in the background. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I would say I think that it largely, I think it largely serves its purpose in the background sometimes. Like I, I rewatch a lot of them frequently, a lot of, you know, because I, I do enjoy it. But I... Mm-hmm. I, you know, again, having seen it, but I'm able to like put it on the background and like just, it's one of those kind of mindless things for me now because I really do enjoy it. But, but there are so many that, yeah, don't matter all that much. To it, ironically, me. it's like so, somewhat Obi-Wan syndrome, right? Where I'm like, well, I know how this ends for some of you, except for Ahsoka. Yeah. So it's like, all right, fine. Um, and, yeah, and so there are I, other characters you will meet that you will learn to Right, that I know will be relevant, which is the only reason that they got me. Damn you, Dave Filoni. I know, I know. So... <laughs> that was literally today or like yesterday. I started being like, okay, I'm out of things to watch. Yeah. I watched the, all of season three of The Boys, which is not out for oh. everyone yet, but I, okay, okay. yeah, blazed through that. You into it? I well, loved it. through it, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I blazed through because I had to go to the press day and I was just like, oh, I want to okay. see it all because I don't want someone to spoil it for me. But if it was like dreadful, you would have been like. Oh, no. Yeah. I would have yeah, watched so. the bare minimum and been like, I'm dead. But I love The Boys, so it's. Yeah. It's great. And then Dubai. I don't know if you're watching have, Housewives of Dubai. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no, I did. I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah, I did. And that's coming back Wednesday, huh? Yeah. yeah. It's I, I really interesting. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it was fair to market it as a Housewives show. It, yeah. I mean, it, is, it isn't, right? But it's in the same way that Ladies of London was basically Housewives. But I'm like, um, right. I'm slapping the Housewives label on it. Just... Well, and, and it was smart to put it with Beverly Hills because that right. gets it 
pretty good viewership for them mostly. So it was yeah, smart yeah, to go yeah. right into it. Like, oh, these are other really rich housewives because Beverly Hills are known for being the rich ones, right? Right. Um, well, many are, but you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did you like it? I enjoyed it. I, I it's fun. it's fine. I just I do grapple a little bit with the fa- a little bit with the fact that like very few of I don't think any of them are from there. Yeah, that that's the thing is most of them seem to be transplants, but I think most well one of one them, of them is know, Middle Eastern. But I don't know if she's a I don't know if the one is a real I don't know if in there who's the real cast member or not. But one of them one of them said she was like born and raised. She lived in old Dubai and now she moved to new Dubai. And she's like the one who takes I her kids to that like terrifying. I think she's yeah. from Dubai. She's, but other than that, I don't. Think but I don't think she, I know. I think she moved there very young, so she's like the closest oh. we have to. But it, I mean, it, you know, it's just like a colonizer thing. But not maybe not colonizer. It's just sort of an expat. But it's it's fine yeah. so far. I just need to get into it. Yeah. Can you guess who my favorite is? I don't know enough about them to yeah. the the model. I think it's I think it's yeah the model. <laughs> I think it's Ayan. <laughs> I think she a y yeah yeah. Obviously, as a person, somewhat dreadful half the time, but I think I, I her interviews were making me laugh out loud half the time. I thought she was she, so funny. She's very self-confident. And her, <laughs> yeah, and her vapidness is so, like, and, you know, that's the character I always gravitate toward. And I was like, um, and then I feel bad. Well, not bad, but the one who's, like, got married and is getting married for real or, or you know, got oh. whatever to the guy. I yeah. feel like he seems like a nice enough guy, but I'm like, it does seem like. Did you watch Ladies of London? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah. It was fascinating seeing her go from her life on Ladies of London and like, I know, and I can't remember you know, blank period, and then being like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, look at their look, look at her." I guess, but mm-hmm. both of their Instagrams, okay, they just have these like very influencer y like those reels or whatever, like TikToks essentially, where you know you like cut frame and then it does another thing. There's like a little camera trick or whatever, and they do them together, mm-hmm. and they just feel so cast like that he was cast to be in this with her not that they are a married couple who are deeply in love you know yeah. it's like he's like happy to be an actor in it like that's what it feels like to me yeah. as opposed to he's happy to be wedded to this woman and you know we don't know the true story i'm sure that i hope they're happy and healthy and whatever yeah. you know blah blah i don't wish ill upon them but just yeah. it it looks it's i understand people's criticisms that like it does not seem like from the outside a genuine <laughs> Well, and see, having none, having known none of that, like what you just said, very much fits the narrative that was going on in my head. Just kind of yeah. like this doesn't seem kind of like going back to season one of Beverly Hills with Lisa's like houseboy. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I was different, obviously, but you know, it was very clear. Like, oh, okay, you're here for fame on this show, yes. but yeah. but he was apparently a Real Madrid soccer player. Um, I don't know if he was like. A successful one but uh, at least he had somewhat of a yeah a career pers- of some per- yeah at least like some life outside of her yeah. um he's not so like a tinder swindler <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yet yet yeah um, but yeah look at their look at their instagrams it's yeah, fascinating but yeah no uh, i had a good time i was like yeah. you know okay seems seems like there'll be drama because they seem very dramatic it already is like okay and and i will say it feels for the most part, again, you know, we never know, but I always kind of like when they do, when they first start out a franchise, the nice thing is I do think that they do get some people who, for the most part, know each other. Often there'll be like a couple, you know, black sheep in there that I like don't know everybody, but yeah. it does genuinely feel like they do have some little bit of history. Whereas when you fast forward, 
and you just keep on replacing women and this and that, whatever. It's like at some point on some of these shows, you just have a bunch of hodgepodge of people that you know are not hanging out outside the show. Well, that's like, what's like her, Diana on Beverly Hills this season where she's yeah, just, exactly. it's just like, how does yeah. anyone know her? Nobody knows. Yeah, it's like maybe Crystal, but it's like how much of that is put on, we don't know. Right. But it seems, yeah. And it's like kind of what happened to Vanderpump eventually. It was like, you're just getting people now that are actors in the show. They don't work. They didn't work here initially. And like, right. You know, but that I did, I, first started out as employees, I think, you know. Right. I think they, like, cast three different groups. And yeah. it's – they're trying to, like, force them together and it's not – Yeah, they force them together. And it's like – but it's like, oh, you've met this person before. <laughs> you know, Once. but sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, sometimes on Housewives, it's like, clearly they know nobody. And then one of the Housewives gets a storyline where they have to pretend they've been friends with them. Yeah, and then, they've like, been assigned bring, to – Bring them into the group, you know. Sutton. Um yeah. Looking at right. you, Sutton. Yeah, looking at directly at you. Yeah. But, All right. Yeah. Well, fair amount this week. Thank, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, as per usual, to Matt. And now a couple of super quick follow-up points. So, no, it is not Hayden Christensen in the Darth Vader suit. It is a stuntman. However, I do believe that the stuntman is supposed to be more Hayden-sized and not the original Vader height size. So that explains why the there's a discrepancy there. And then as for Quinlan Voss, uh, he is a Jedi that we see in the Clone Wars. And then Episode 3 of Obi-Wan apparently confirmed that three other Jedi survived Order 66. You can see their names or, or somebody on the internet translated their names. So that's cool for, you know, deep fans of the lore. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.